Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in the Bay Area, it's time for Bay Area Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Bay Area Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today's episode is brought to you by Leah Davis Coaching. Uh, Again, I'm Lee Cantor, and on the show today, we have TJ Woodward with Conscious Recovery. Welcome, TJ. Thank you so much. So excited to be here, and I love being in this conversation, so I'm happy to be on the show. Well, before we get too far into things, tell us about Conscious Recovery. Uh, Who are you serving, and what are you up to? So Conscious Recovery was born out of my own experience and also working in the addiction treatment field for well over a decade now. Conscious Recovery is a modality of treatment that is used in many different treatment programs, uh, mostly in the Bay Area, but growing outside of the Bay Area now. And it's also a book and a workbook and some online courses. Uh, It is It comes from my personal experience of helping people not only break the cycle of addiction, but really living a life that's more on purpose and filled with uh, passion and connection. Well, how tell the listener maybe about kind of addiction, how this affects people of all kind of walks of life. It affects them at all ages. Is there any kind of um, threads that connect all types of addiction together? You know, I think addiction is something that is somewhat misunderstood in our culture. I think uh, when people think of addiction, they might think strictly of drugs and alcohol, and they might have a certain image of a person who is an addicted person. With my own experience and in conscious recovery, we use a much broader definition of addiction, and that really is looking for something, some substance, some behavior outside of ourselves to try to heal something that feels damaged or broken within, and then it becomes a repetitive pattern. So in that way, it's a much broader definition. And I think most of us can identify that in at least in some way, maybe we've had some addiction to one thing or another, one form or another. So I think one of the things that's starting to shift, and certainly I hope that conscious recovery is a part of it, is to help people recognize that they can start to address their addiction before it reaches sort of the stereotype of what we think of addiction, which is someone who has lost everything, you know, who's lost their relationship and their their home and all of that. So we're looking at meeting people much earlier in that process so they don't have to, you know, go down that road, so to speak. So do you so you believe that uh, everybody or most people have some sort of drug of choice? And like you said, it may not necessarily be an illegal drug or a drug that intoxicate you, but like it could be exercise or eating, or it could be gambling, or it could be lots of things that aren't necessarily considered, you know, a negative or, or something that could hurt you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think most of us, you know, our culture actually is pretty addicted when, you know, we're addicted to the news, we're addicted to drama in some ways. So I think most of us can identify at least in some way that we've had some kinds of addiction. Obviously, you know, people that really want to change their addiction are when they cross over some kind of line where it starts to cause more problems in their life than it does, you know, helping their life or enhancing their life. So one of the things with myself, and with conscious recovery is we're not really here to dictate for someone if they need to stop their addiction, but to start to look at it and see, is it really serving me? 
because conscious recovery is really intended to help someone to get down to the deeper root causes. So it's really much less about what the addiction is and more about what's happening internally that creates a desire for someone to look externally. Now, are these recovery tools the same no matter what this addiction is? For me, it is because it's not really about the substance or the behavior. It's really about something happening internally. So conscious recovery identifies the root causes of addiction as unresolved trauma, spiritual disconnection, and toxic shame. And starting to address those rather than focusing on only the symptoms and behaviors. And the reason that's so important to me is I started working in the field of addiction treatment about 12 years ago, and I quickly realized that most of the modalities, if not all of the modalities, were focused on the addiction itself or the symptoms and behaviors without actually getting down to these underlying issues that are actually driving whatever the addiction is. And then what are some symptoms that maybe you do have an addiction and that this isn't uh, just merely like you're uh, uh, obsessed with working or I'm a workaholic, like that this is impacting uh, my life maybe in more ways than I'm consciously aware of? Yeah, great question. And I think that traditionally we have tended to talk about addiction through the lens of there's something wrong here, there's something negative about this, or we might even call it a coping mechanism. In conscious recovery, I actually use the term brilliant strategy. And that is looking at any addiction. When we started it, it was actually probably something that really helped us or soothed us or managed something. And so we look at it not through the lens of what's wrong with you or what's wrong with your addiction, but how is it serving you? How is it not serving you? And then what do you want? And the reason I'm saying that in an answer to your question is really no one can decide for another person if it's something that's serving them or something that's actually not really moving them in the direction they want. I discovered long ago that we don't change habits based on what we don't want. We change habits based on what we do want. So we look at it through the lens of this was a brilliant strategy and then ask ourselves the question, is it still brilliant? And that's really for the individual to decide for themselves. I've met people who, you know, seem to have an addiction that they just continue doing it all their life. And I see other people where it doesn't really on the outside look like a full blown addiction, but they realize it's not really the direction they want to take their life. And what was once helping them is now hindering them moving in the direction they want. Now, um, obviously, this is looking at it from the person with the addictions um, through their eyes. What if I am a loved one of this person uh, with addiction that I think that it isn't serving them, but they are have maybe succumbed to this addiction and they believe it is. Is there anything I can do? Or is this something that is it better to just kind of cut them loose? Or what should I be doing as a caregiver or a loved one? Well, I think one way to talk about this is to look sort of backward at the way we've framed it in the past. And that way is, you know, through this idea of either tough love or boundaries or um, letting people know exactly how they've hurt you, etc., and although I understand that, I think the number one thing that we can do for someone who we perceive to be in an addiction is to actually hold a space for them to be able to discover that for themselves. 
So there's a paradox here, right? In some ways, I can't really do it for another person. I can't really make someone see a behavior that they aren't aware of. And at the same time, my presence and my sending them compassion and openness actually really helps. I think the the deeper conversation with that is if I'm a person in a relationship with someone who has an addiction, I do get to decide for myself if it's still working for me. So if I can take the focus off what the other person is doing and look at how this is impacting me and kind of do my own work around that, I think it's going to really serve the other person. And of course, you know, I work with or meet parents a lot that maybe have a teenager or a young adult that is um, really active in, adi- in an addiction. And there's not a one size fits all. But what I have discovered is the observer has a profound effect. And this is the foundational principle of conscious recovery. Underneath all addictive behavior is an essential self that is whole and perfect. So if I'm looking at someone through the lens of what's wrong and judging them, I don't think it really helps. I think holding the space for them to discover that they actually do have the ability to reconnect with themselves and not practice their addiction. There are a lot of different ways to answer that, but those are some that come to mind for me in this moment. Now, for that parent, say, that is dealing with a, a child or a teenager that is in their in the, or estimation is addicted or is going through some of this, is there some kind of foundational steps that they can be taking to just um, at least begin the journey of helping that child? Or is it like, how do they do? I mean, it seems so overwhelming for me. if I'm trying to look through their eyes of feeling helpless and hopeless and, and kind of giving up some of the control that as a parent, you think you have at least that I could help or I want to help and then not it not being received. Yeah. I think the word control is really important that you brought that into the conversation because that is, I think, one of the issues, right? We do, I think, tend to think we are supposed to control our children or our teenagers or our young adults. And at some point, of course, they have their own lives that they need to figure these things out for themselves. And of course, at the same time, we want to do whatever we can. So there are two things I'll say about that. One is get the help, right? Get someone that's an expert. See if you can get your loved one into counseling if they're willing and able to do that. Get the help for yourself on how you um, shift from wanting to control to really recognize it recognizing what's happening within you. But I want to tell a really brief story because I think it points to this question really clearly. There's a tribe in Africa that when someone in their community does something that they perceive to be wrong, they put them in the middle of a circle and the entire community surrounds them and starts offering them all the wonderful things about them, all the beautiful things about them, all the qualities about them that are really wonderful. Because what happens is they stay with that person until that person has some kind of breakthrough. So rather than looking at the addiction as wrong or the person is broken in some way, can we hold the space for them that we can start looking for what is right about them, what is uh, what the abilities they have within themselves? That alone, starting to shift that is really, really powerful. And then the other piece that comes with that is 
when we start to look at the other person as having the ability to heal and I can support them in that rather than I'm supposed to do that for them, I think there's a powerful shift that happens. So by surrounding that individual and reminding them of their value and their worth and the good about them sometimes leads to a breakthrough where they remember that and recognize that and become more hopeful and then see uh, that their addiction may not be serving them. That's exactly right, because one of the deep root causes of addiction, in my estimation, is shame, a sense of brokenness. About 100% of the clients I've worked with over the years have had these beliefs about themselves. I'm broken. I'm damaged. I'm not good enough. I'm unlovable. I could go on and on with that list. And unfortunately, their behavior starts to mirror that belief. So if I'm only looking at the person's behavior, I'm, I end up confirming those core false beliefs. A big part of conscious recovery is how do we get down to those unconscious beliefs and ideas, start to work with those, start to heal those so that we don't want to have the addiction. We actually want to have a life that's more connected with our essential nature. And the role that we can play as a loved one, as a partner, as a parent, is to be a part of not co-signing on the shame, but also reminding them, or instead of that, reminding them of their inherent value. And I understand that it's not necessarily easy, because as you said, if I'm a parent, I'm really afraid of, you know, for my child's life or their well-being. So there are multiple layers to this. And I think one thing I just want to interject is that layer of what might happen if I were to start to see the person as whole and perfect rather than broken and damaged. Now, if there's someone out there that is a parent or is the person with the addiction and maybe is coming to realize that, what does an engagement with you or your organization or your team look like? How do, what are kind of the first steps and the early steps in um, working with you? Well, Conscious Recovery, first and foremost, is a book and it's a workbook. There's also online courses and resources for someone who is struggling with an addiction. There are also multiple treatment programs that are certified in the Conscious Recovery method. So if you go to ConsciousRecovery.com, you can discover all of that. There are also some great resources, not specifically for parents or loved ones, but reading the book, doing the workbook on their own could be a really great place to start. I I think if someone is resistant to recovery, maybe reading Conscious Recovery might help them because it really offers a much more gentle approach asking that question, what do you really desire and is your addiction serving you? And then, of course, you know, if it gets to a point where it's, it's you know, much further along on the path, there are a list of treatment programs that are certified in the Conscious Recovery method, and those can also be found on ConsciousRecovery.com. Now, when you were beginning this work and you kind of started developing your own teachings, when did you realize that you were on to something? Did something happen that was a uh, kind of moment of clarity where you were like, hey, this is something that maybe is a different way of doing this kind of work? Yeah, I love that question. It starts with my own journey. I, I uh, my Personally, I've been in recovery myself for th almost 35 years and the the 
people in my life early on that were offering me a different approach to addiction were so impactful. There was so much power in that. When I started working in the field, I was working full-time in treatment, and I developed what is now Conscious Recovery, a series of groups, uh, workbook, book. And I realized the profound impact it was having on clients, and I was witnessing that the old paradigm that we've seen in addiction recovery groups and in treatment doesn't serve everyone. It serves a lot of people. But this new approach, when I started practicing it with clients, I was watching these profound breakthroughs happen. And so first and foremost, of course, makes me so grateful because I'm living on purpose that I'm bringing this now to a much larger audience. But really, it was watching lives being transformed by this work, starting with my own. Now, as part of the teaching, um, kind of coming up with that why, the mission for yourself, this personal journey you're on to, to kind of affirm that I am here for a reason and I can make a difference? For me personally, absolutely. That's, that's, I think, what really drives me every day to continue to do this work, to continue to certify different treatment programs, because I recognize, you know, we know that there are a lot of people suffering from addiction. We see, especially in 2020 with shelter in place, we see addiction rates going up, suicide rates going up. And a lot of that is because of, because of isolation and disconnection. So it really is my purpose to bring this to the world. And I think what keeps me going in this is recognizing that there are going to be people that are helped by this that I will never even meet. And that makes me absolutely grateful because I know I'm living on purpose. And when those folks kind of get the treatment and can recover, then they're going to make an impact. I mean, it, it's one of those things that the ripples that come out of this are very uh, far and wide. Yeah, and it's really interesting that you use the word ripple because we just launched this new movement called Unharmable using the hashtag Unharmable. And the tagline with that is a ripple becomes a wave. And we're recognizing, as you said so perfectly, when someone has that transformation and they reconnect with their true nature, that place within them that is unharmable, they then become a ripple effect out in the world. And then it becomes a wave of people recognizing they're not broken, they are whole and perfect and returning to that. And I think we're seeing that happening right now in really, really powerful ways. So I'm grateful to just be a small part of it. Well, once again, can you share the website for people who want to learn more? Absolutely. TJWoodward.com is probably the easiest place to go. You'll learn about my books and Conscious Recovery. ConsciousRecovery.com as well, as well you'll, where you will learn more about Conscious Recovery and see where the certified treatment programs are and all the different resources for you. Well, TJ, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank you so much. And I'm deeply honored that you invited me to be a guest. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Bay Area Business Radio.